Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We are going to uh, conclude our sermon series called The Difference that we've been in for a few weeks now. And we'll do so by looking at Romans 8, verses 18 through 30. And I believe that's on page 1201, if you're going to use one of the big blue Bibles that we have underneath the chair in front of you. Hear now God's holy and true word from Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope For what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that For those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. The word of the Lord. You pray with me. Father, we give you praise and thanks this morning that we can gather together and look into your word and feel its power. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us and give us ears to hear and eyes to see and compel us to serve. Father, we, uh, we ask that you would use this time to transform us and make us more like your son. And equip us to run with the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, like I said, this is the final sermon in the sermon series that we've called The Difference. We've been talking about for the last several weeks uh, some of the really important, really critical doctrines uh, that you believe as a Christian. And one of the reasons we've been doing so is because... Quite commonly, people outside the church do not understand these things. Uh, They often think they do, but they they don't really understand what the Bible actually teaches. And so uh, we want them to know and we want to be equipped to tell them. But also sometimes people inside the church don't quite understand some of these things as well. And so it's so important that we revisit these essential critical doctrines from time to time. And that's what we've been doing. And so we'll do one more this morning. You know, one way to look at Christianity is to uh, look at Jesus in regards to what he has done and what he is doing 
and then what he has promised to do in the future. And that's kind of what we've been doing. Okay, like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, justification by faith. And we talked about this amazing doctrine that the Bible teaches that we're not accepted by God because of things that we do, but rather because of what Jesus has done. And we receive that acceptance through faith. Okay, and we talked about how amazing that is. And that really what that is, is justification by faith alone is really the way that we are set free from the penalty of sin. Okay, and then last week we talked about another doctrine, a little bit about the doctrine of sanctification, which is the process by which God makes us more like Christ. And the way that we looked at it is uh, from the angle of understanding that we, through the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, we become more like Christ by, by being set free from the power of sin. Sin had no power over Jesus. And so we, were, we become more like him through the process of sanctification, freedom from the power of sin. And then this morning now we're talking a little bit about the doctrine of glorification and uh, that we have this incredible future ahead of us. So Jesus has set us free from the penalty of sin. He is setting us free from the power of sin and he will set us free from the, even the presence of sin and its effects. And look at 18. Look at verse 18 here as we begin. I want to show you this because Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is an amazing statement. Because what he's really saying here is that if you were to take all of the struggles, all the suffering that we experience in this life, uh, even as Christians, we suffer even as Christians. If you take all of that suffering and, and quantify it and then compare it to all of the glory that is to be revealed or the anti-suffering, it's not even worth comparing. Uh, in the earlier service, I said that it's like comparing an 8-ounce glass of water with the 264 billion gallons of water in the Atlantic Ocean. I was then quickly corrected. There are trillions of gallons of water in the Atlantic Ocean. Excuse me. But you wouldn't even compare the two, right? And so what Paul is saying is, whatever we experience in this life, there's an amount of it, right? But what's coming is so glorious, so amazing, it's, it's hard to imagine. But that's the reality that we're looking at this morning, this glorious future for believers. See, the reality is we celebrate Christ uh, not just because we're not going to hell because of what he's done, but because we are going to the new heavens and new earth that he is going to uh, make for us. We will be set free from even the very presence of sin and its effects. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Through faith in Christ, we're not, we not only receive freedom from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but also one day the very presence of sin and its effects. If you're, if you're going to make an outline, here's the three things we want to talk about this morning. Our world and our glorious future. And then we'll talk about our bodies and our glorious future. And last, our mission and our glorious future. So uh, let's take a look first, talking about our world and our glorious future, looking at verses 19 through 22 to see that the, the world, the natural world, does not work the way it's supposed to, but Jesus is going to make it new. Look at 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's one of my favorite lines in all of Paul's writings. 
the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And ultimately what Paul is talking about here is the fact that the world doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And the reason for that is the fall. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they not only brought a curse upon humanity, but also upon the earth itself, the world, the way things work, the natural order uh, suffered because of what they did as well as humanity suffers. And so Paul says it this way in verse 20, subjected to futility. The word, the world has been subjected to futility. That word futility also means vanity. It also, the Greek word also means de- deprivation. That the world in its current form is deprived of what it once was and what it will be. So, and this is pretty shocking when you think about it because There are some places in the world that when you look at them, you are just inspired with awe. The Grand Canyon, certain mountain ranges, the ocean. And even those things are deprived of the glory that is to come. The glory that we will see when Jesus returns and makes all things new. In verse 21, he says the world is waiting to be set free from its bondage to corruption. And that word corruption, it also is, it means decay. It's a Greek word, thora, and it means decay. So uh, what he's getting at there is uh, what scientists might refer to as the second law of thermodynamics, that things break down. Things move towards a state of disorder or entropy. And we see that around us in this world, that everything seems to break. Everything seems to wear out. We see that uh, plants die, our food spoils. We also, this is also, weather is a result of this too. Things like tornadoes, things like hurricanes, floods, all these things that are happening where nature itself causes us to suffer. It's all part of the brokenness of the world because of the fall. This extends to our our things as well. This is why if you have been driving for a while, you didn't buy one car and say, set for life. Right? No. And your home needs to be painted every once in a while. And your faucets need to be fixed and things like that. The the reason that things break and we deal with that frustration is because the world is not the way it is supposed to be. It is in bondage to decay. I uh, I recently had a, a weed whip that was clearly in bondage to decay. And I, uh, I've only had this thing. I don't even think I've had it a year. Okay, but of course the warranty is like 30 seconds. And I, I, I bought it. I, was, uh, I, I think that because of the, the view of the world that we're given in Scripture, that it's, it's right and good to uh, take care of this world. You know, this is going to be our home. When Christ makes the world new, it's this world. We will be here. And so keeping the world beautiful, I think, is a very special and important thing. And so anyway, I like to keep my lawn cut and, and look nice and stuff, not just to keep, keep the HOA off my back. And um, so I had this weed whip slash edger, and I was loving it, you know, just kind of edging along every week. It was great. And then just a few weeks ago, I go to start it, and I pull the cord, and it just rips off in my hand. Like I'm just holding the cord up here, and the thing's not running. I'm like, what is this all about? You know, so I take it into the place where I bought it, and I put it at the return and exchange counter, and I say, what is this all about? And they say, well, you have to go to Lawn and Garden. And say, I say, I will go to Lawn and Garden. And I go to Lawn and Garden, and I say, what is this all about? And he says, oh, yeah, those things break all the time. Did you buy our warranty? I almost did bad things right there. Um, I said, no. Didn't buy your warranty? Um, and he said, that's too bad. I could just give you another one. But what really bothered me is he said, yeah, this happens all the time. Why did you sell it to me, right? Isn't that the question? But the reality of that 
that this happens all the time. Things are always breaking down, and that causes frustration. And a lot of us are dealing with things that are breaking down, which are far more important and far more impactful on our lives than just a weed whip. But that is a result of the fall. The reason that things break, the reason that things don't work right is a result of the fall. That's the culprit. And that's what we need to realize because when we are dealing with these things that are frustrating, that make life harder, even uh, things much more important than weed whips, that frustration needs to go somewhere. And it's designed to go to peace through looking at what is ahead. And that's what Paul's talking about. Look at verse 21 again. Here's what's going to happen. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption or decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So, so Paul is talking about here the fact that the world itself, the nature, the way things work, is the world is waiting to be set free from its bondage to decay so that it can be the glorious, phenomenal place it was designed and intended to be before it was ruined by sin. And the world is waiting just like we are waiting. Those of us who know Christ and know what he's going to do, we too are waiting to be set free from our bondage to what decays us. And that is our sin, of course. And so there's this amazing connection between the way the world is waiting to be set free so it can be glorious, just like we are waiting to be set free so we can be glorious. So I come home from the store with that thing, and I want to put it through the wall, but I thought about this. And there was this peace realizing this is a result of the fall, but it's not going to always be like this. I get to one day live in a world where nothing breaks, nothing spoils, nothing goes bad. And that brings a tremendous amount of peace to our hearts. The expectation of a glorious future with Christ in the new world, the new heavens and new earth where everything works all the time, allows us to have peace in the chaotic present. That's a key thing that we get to celebrate and live as followers of Christ. But see, here's the thing. It's not just the world. He's not just going to make the world a place that's perfect where everything works right and nothing goes bad. But it also has to do with our bodies. Look at verse 23. Let's talk about our bodies and our glorious future. To see that our bodies don't work right either, do they? But Jesus is going to give us new bodies as well. And this would be... Formerly, when we're talking about the doctrine of glorification, this, this reality that we're going to get these brand new, newly remade bodies. Look at verse 23. Paul says, and not only the creation is waiting, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That is amazing, this reality that our bodies, we're going to get newly remade bodies. And you know what he's talking about when he's talking about groaning inwardly. That's that feeling when you're, and your body is just aching and hurting for whatever reason, for whatever you're struggling with. It's that, that's what that is, that, that groaning that we feel inside as if our body is saying, I want to be free from this. But that is what is coming the redemption of our bodies just like the world is going to be set free from its bondage to decay we are going to be set free from our bondage to decay as well we will be getting our brand newly remade bodies because we're part of creation that's why our bodies don't work right it's all once again a result of the fall that's why things don't work right because of 
the fall. That's why we get headaches. That's why we get the flu, coughs, colds, asthma, arthritis, allergies. That's why we get diabetes. That's why we get celiac disease or chronic pain or have rheumatoid arthritis or Crohn's disease. It's why our lungs collapse. And it's Mother's Day. The fall is the reason for infertility. And miscarriages. That's not your fault. That's not your fault. It's, it's the reality of we live in a broken world that we long to see fixed. And we have broken bodies that we long to see made new. It's why we have heart attacks. It's why we get cancer. It's why we get AIDS. It's why we die. Our bodies are susceptible to harm because of the fall. We have needs, desperate needs that need to be filled because of the fall. And when they're not met, our bodies break down. We need food. We need shelter. We need medical treatment. We need clothing. And the reality is we see all around the world the effects of the fall on human bodies. We see people dying. It's estimated that 26,000 children die every day in this world because their bodies are not getting what they need. They have diseases or they have malnutrition. And locally there's 500 people, 500 people or more that we understand to be living in the woods that are currently homeless. They don't have that basic need of shelter right here. And we want to be serving anyone who's in need. We also don't want to forget, we can't ignore the fact that we are suffering too. Our bodies are not getting what they need. We are experiencing this. I know you are. I know many of our people in our congregation wrestle every day with pain, wrestle every day with the, the effects of the fall and the brokenness of our bodies. Let me ask you this. If you were to make a list of all the things in your life that ache, hurt, or things you just don't like about your body... I mean, how long would that list be? If you're over three, you need pages, plural, right? I mean, there is so much that we wrestle with, some of us chronically, every day. But the reality is, that does not have to crush us. That does not have to destroy us. We can find incredible hope in what Paul is saying here, that we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies, our bodies being released from what they are currently in bondage to, the decay. That doesn't mean uh, not a dualistic, once we're separated from our body, everything's okay. No, we will be in our bodies. They will just be made new. And they will be made perfect. This, look at 24 and 25. Thinking of this, Paul says, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In other words, Paul is saying, When we believe that one day we will be given this brand new body that works perfectly, it creates patience. That word could also be translated as endurance. It's what empowers us to endure. There's a real ability for us through faith in Christ to endure the hardships of a broken and decaying body because of that hope, that expectation that one day we'll have that new body and feel unbelievable. In fact, there's a, a, I love the way this is referred to in other places. In 1 Peter 1 and in 1 Corinthians 15, Peter and then Paul, they, also, they use this word referring to what, what we have coming as imperishable or incorruptible. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, specifically referring to our bodies that we will get when we, uh, in the resurrection, when we rise from the dead, uh, we will get these incorruptible, imperishable bodies. Now, here's what's so awesome about that. 
Uh, remember when we were a few minutes ago talking about the world is in corruption to, or the world is in bondage to corruption or in bondage to decay? Okay, that's the Greek word thora. Okay, now the word imperishable that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 15 is thora. It's the negation. And so what he's saying is what we're going to receive are bodies that are anti-decay. Bodies that cannot break down. Bodies that cannot, do not get sick. Bodies that function perfectly all the time. And for some of us, that's so hard to imagine. For all of us, it's, it's impossible to completely imagine it. For some of us who are in pain a lot, it's really hard to imagine it. But the reality is, the more we dwell on that and realize this is a big part of what Jesus has done for us, is so that he can do this for us, to give us these things, it gives us peace. It helps us to endure. There's a, uh, you might know about this woman, her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. I've mentioned her before. I think she's pretty awesome. And she has been paralyzed and confined to a wheelchair for about 47 years. Uh, when she was a teenager, she dove into a shallow lake and broke her neck. And she's been uh, in chronic pain and in a wheelchair ever since. She uh, runs a ministry called Johnny and Friends, which serves people who have disabilities all over the world. It's pretty amazing. But one of the things that she talks about is how she endures. How does she live every day in this chronic pain? How does she carry on? And she says a big piece of how she does this is thinking about, dreaming about this new body that she's going to have one day. Listen to this. In a book in 2010, she wrote this. The bare unadorned fact is this. Many people in my condition simply don't live as long as I have lived. So my thoughts haven't been so much on picking up the old life on my feet I left behind in 1967, but as, as much as stepping into the new life and body that await me. So she has this incredible ability to endure this physical struggle that she has. Because she knows it's temporary. She knows that one day she's going to receive this new body. And we too. This is such a source for us of peace and of endurance and patience is this reality. Because when we realize that, when we believe that, when we believe that we're going to receive these these newly remade bodies which will be phenomenally stunning, always functioning, never malfunctioning, always working perfectly, amazing, dazzlingly glorious bodies. When we believe that's what we're going to get. There's an excitement about it. And there's a patience as we wait for that. It's kind of like when, you know, you walk your dog and the closer you get to the park, the, the clo- you know, they start pushing more on the leash and they just want to get there. And then you, you know, you know when you click off that leash, they are gone. They're going to be dancing around. That's what's coming. That's like we're getting there. We're getting closer. And then one day when Jesus returns, click. What's holding us back is gone and we will just run in these amazing phenomenal bodies. I mean, amazing bodies. I think C.S. Lewis is right. In his sermon, The Weight of Glory, he says that if we were to see a glorified human being right now, we would be very strongly tempted to fall down and worship that person. And if you have your faith in Jesus, you, you get that. We get that. And so the difference that this makes in our lives, is that we know every day, no matter what we're struggling through, we know that one day we will receive these perfectly amazing bodies that we will live in forever in a perfect world with our perfect Savior. And that gives us a supernatural ability to endure the hard 
struggles that we have because of our broken bodies. That joy helps us to endure. That joy we know we're going to have helps us to endure. And, you know, the author of Hebrews says it was for the joy that was set before him that Jesus endured the cross. Now think about how special and valuable your new body is. That Jesus wanted so much for you and I to have the joy of these bodies that he was willing to go to the cross to provide them for us. That's how amazing these bodies are and how special it is that we get to have these. And that's what gives us the ability to endure the struggles now. Because keeping in mind, the, the sufferings of this life are not worth comparing to the immeasurable glory that will come. And so it makes a huge difference. It also, when you put this together with all that we've been talking about um, for the last few weeks, it also helps us understand our mission. Okay, so let's last, let's talk about our mission and our glorious future. See, our mission is to make disciples. We talk about that a lot, and we also talk about what it means to be a disciple. And and want you to see how uh, what we believe about that is really centered on who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. But look at verses 29 and 30. Look at verses 29 and 30 with me. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So right here we see these three major doctrines that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. We see the word justified, and we know what that means. We know that that is how we are forgiven of all of our sin and receive uh, the declaration of righteousness through faith. It's all because of what Christ has done. So justified, to be justified is to be set free from the penalty of sin. We also see in these verses sanctification. You see it? You don't see the word, but you see the definition of it in verse 29. To be conformed to the image of his son. That's what sanctification is. Being set free from our sin, being enabled to obey God and glorify God with our lives, that's, that's becoming more like Jesus. It's being set free from the power of sin. So we see that in here as well. And then we also see the word in verse 30, glorified. Those who are justified will be glorified. It's, it's so sure, Paul puts it all in the past tense here. It's amazing. But, so you've got the justification, you've got sanctification, you've got glorification, right? Freedom from the penalty of sin, freedom from the power of sin, freedom from the presence one day. And now I want you to think about our vision for what we believe it means to be a disciple. Okay? You, may, you, you know this diagram. You've seen it many times. You'll see it many times in the future. But we talk a lot about these four things, that we believe it to be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ, your life is to be about gospel transformation, that you are growing spiritually, becoming more like Jesus, and that results in a desire to and an ability to do Gospel proclamation, that's telling people with our words that Jesus is Lord and he's our Savior. And then gospel demonstration, that's showing people with our deeds the compassion and the love of God. And as we proclaim and demonstrate, we we see multiplication, the number of people that are following Christ. Okay, but now here's what I want you to see, the, the connection between these primary doctrines and our vision of what it means to be a disciple. Here's why we want to do gospel proclamation, because as we proclaim the gospel, the Holy Spirit works in the hearts of those that we're sharing it with. And if they are being called by God, they believe. And if they believe, they are justified because we're justified by faith. So one of the reasons we want to be equipping each other to proclaim the gospel is because we want to see people justified by faith. 
And the reason also that we focus on gospel transformation, why we want the worship service, our life groups, your personal and family devotions to be a transformative place is we want to see sanctification take place. We want to see God do his work of making us more like Jesus, setting us free from the power of sin. And gospel demonstration, too. Gospel demonstration, every time we meet someone's need, it's, it's pointing to glorification. It's pointing them to the day when all of their needs are met entirely, where they have absolutely zero needs and everything is amazing. And so we do proclamation because we want to see God justify people. We do things regarding gospel transformation because we want to see God sanctify us. And we focus on gospel demonstration because we want to give people glimpses of what it will be like when we are set free from even the presence of sin and its effects. And as we do these things, we pray for more and more multiplication to take place. So when, right? When is this going to happen? When is the new world going to come? When is Christ going to return? When do we get our new bodies and experience this amazing joy? Look at verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's what the creation is waiting for. That's what we're waiting for. That day when all the sons of God, all the children of God have been revealed. How do you know who a child of God is? They respond in faith when they hear the gospel. How do they hear the gospel? We go proclaim it. Are we supposed to do that? Yes, this is about the Great Commission. This is about you and me, our church, partnering with all the evangelical churches in the world to go to all nations and make disciples of all nations. And as we do this, as we work towards the completion of the Great Commission, we get closer and closer to the day when all the sons of God have been revealed because all the people who needed to hear the gospel and would believe the gospel have been reached. And then when all the sons of God have been revealed, when the Great Commission is completed, Christ returns, establishes the kingdom of God in full forever on earth, and we get our new world, we get our new bodies, and we spend eternity in the presence of Christ. And that is beyond our wildest imagination. Sometimes I wonder, you know, will we even notice these new bodies? Because we will be staring in the face of Christ in his presence for all eternity. So amazing, so beyond our ability to understand and comprehend how phenomenal that will be. We're going to sing a song in a minute where we will sing these words. When we arrive at eternity's shore, where death is just a memory and tears are no more, we'll enter in as the wedding bells ring. Your bride will come together and we'll sing your beautiful. Comprehending his glory. I cannot wait. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you and we ask that you would pound these truths into our hearts. That we would be able to have peace in this chaotic world. That we would have patience. Even as our bodies continue to break down. I do pray specifically this morning, Lord, for all of those with us that are really in pain a lot. And I just pray that they will just cherish this truth of what you're going to do for us. And we pray that we would be empowered to bless one another and meet each other's needs as Jesus 
met these physical needs to give people a down payment and a picture of what his kingdom is like. And we pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And use us to that end, Lord. Send us out. Use us to proclaim and to demonstrate. For your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.